what happened this morning in Orlando was very sad. Uh, and uh, personally, I feel when we were singing today, My Soul Longs For You, you know, those lyrics are very powerful. Uh, it says, uh, my soul longs for you. Nothing else, nothing else will do. So let it rain. So I think that's what we need in America. Like we need to come to the end of ourselves and realize that nothing else will do. Nothing else is going to fix this nation, but a spiritual awakening, a hunger for God, which I believe everybody has. They're just not aware of it. And ultimately having God pour out his spirit, which I believe he is doing so. Amen. So why don't we go ahead and pray for this nation and then pray for the word. Um, today is uh, my message is about generosity. And so I'm going to challenge you guys to take notes, not because maybe you don't know what I'm teaching you, but, you know, in times of trouble, sometimes it's hard to remember what you know. And so if you hear it, see it, write it down yourself and uh, read it, you know, it'll help you remember. It'll help you uh, have that in your arsenal when attacks come or just when life, when life happens. So let's pray for this country. Let's take a moment to pray and then we'll pray for the word and then we'll get right into this study. Father, I thank you, Lord, um, for this day, God. No matter what, Lord, you are always good. You are always kind and you are always merciful and you are always graceful, God. And your heart, Father, is that mercy always triumphs over judgment, Lord. So right now, Father, I pray over this nation in forgiveness, God, in mercy, Lord. And I release forgiveness and I release grace, God, over this nation, Father. Father, our souls long for you, Lord. Nothing else, God, will do but you, God. And because nothing else will do, God, let it rain, Father. And the rain is not set aside from you. It is not apart from you, God, but it is you, Lord. It is you that reigns on us, Father. It is you that pours out. It is your spirit. It is your essence. It is your breath, Father. It is your nearness, God, that reigns down, Father. And I just pray over America, God. I pray over the United States, Lord, God, that you would bring a spiritual awakening, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit more, God. We cry out for more, Lord Jesus, more, God, that you would let it rain, Father, God, over this nation, God, and that we would become, Father, the walking and living testament of truth, God, the walking and living gospel, Lord, over this nation, Father, that we would be saved, God, in times of trouble, Lord. And I bless this study, God, that we would learn, Father, that we would learn about you, about your nature, about the kingdom that we live in, Father, and about the culture, God, that we are pressing into, Father, as a congregation and as a group of people, Lord. I thank you, Father, for all things, Lord, that are good that come from you, God, because only good things come from you, Jesus. We all pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, cool. Let's go ahead and get started. Um, and like I said, please take notes. Um, so I'm speaking about generosity today. Uh, a couple of things that I want you to keep in mind as I'm, as I'm sharing is I want you to keep in mind that this is threefold. Generosity today, as we'll study it, is going to speak to you about the nature of our Father. And it's going to speak to you about the nature that we have inherited from our Father. And lastly, it's going to teach you about what we're meant to receive. So let's go ahead and um, get right into the study. 
for those of you taking notes, if you want to kind of, I, I'm very structured, so I will have like sections, and I'm reading a couple of verses to you. You can open your Bible there if you want. It's Proverbs 11, and I'm going to be reading from verse 23 to verse 28. So Proverbs 11, and we're going to start on uh, verse 23. Give me an amen when you have it open, and then I'm going to share something, and then we'll get to studying. So Proverbs 11:23. Proverbios 11. Okay. Cool. So for intro, my intro, I'm calling it culture. If you want to write that down, it's I'm just calling it culture. And this is what I have to say about that. Generosity is culture. Culture means being proactive and living on purpose. In order to do so, we must know who we are in Christ, and we must learn the ways of royalty. It's up on the screen, too, if you want to look at it. Generosity is culture. Culture means being proactive and living on purpose. In order to do so, we must know who we are in Christ, and we must learn the ways of royalty. So I looked up the word culture. The word culture means, um, it means the art, the arts, or the manifestations of human intellectual achievement regarded collectively. So it's, it's essentially, culture is um, the way of doing things artistically, the way that things, the way that people do things together as a collective in one unit. So the culture that I'm gonna speak to you of today is the culture uh, of the kingdom. And so the way I would define that, or I would say is, I'm gonna speak to you today about the collective achievements or the art that we create through his manifest presence. So that's culture. So it's up there. Um, and then we'll, let's keep going. So Proverbs 11:23. Again, if you're writing notes down for this verse, I'm calling it the root of generosity. So I'm calling it the root of generosity, and I'm going to go ahead and read it now. So Proverbs 11:23, The godly can look forward to a reward, while the wicked can expect only judgment. So what makes the godly godly? In this context, the God, what makes the godly godly in this context of this verse is that they go to God believing that he exists and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. The godly can look forward to a reward. When I read this verse, I automatically think of Hebrews 11.6. Um, and I'm not going to have you go there. I'm just going to be speaking, and it's going to be up so that you can kind of see it while I'm talking. Um, this is a very lecture-style message. So Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when I read this verse and it says the godly can look forward to a reward, it tells me that a godly person is defined by their seeking of God. Accepting this specific definition of what it means to be godly will help you with your identity. Why? Because in order to go to God, you must believe that he is good. Because you wouldn't seek out something that isn't good. You wouldn't seek out somebody who is, who is going to, like, you know, torment you and cause you harm. But 
the godly can look forward to a reward because he is the rewarder. So the godly doesn't mean, like how Cynthia was saying, right? Like some of us are asking God, what do you need me to do for you, God? And God is saying, nothing. I need you just to be my child. And, and in accepting this, that makes you godly. Not that you do this or that you do that, but that you would, that you would accept that God is good, that God is your father, and that God has rewards for you just because you're looking for him. And in the seeking, God reveals more of himself to us. And in turn, he reveals more of what you are and who you are. The second part that it makes me think of is the, the, the first part of Hebrews. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So to me, that what I wrote down is, without faith, God isn't pleased. And the very cornerstone of faith is that God raises the dead. So I was reading in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and for those of you taking notes, you could write this down again. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, there's a passage there. Uh, I think it starts like in verse 11, um, and it goes to like 18, but I'm only going to read verses 13 and 14. And Paul writes, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and our faith is also empty. So without faith, God isn't pleased. And faith, defined by the Bible, is that God raises the dead. Is that what was once dead is now alive. The gospel was created so that we could resurrect what was dead. Or what is dead, because you can't resurrect what is already living. Through Christ's identity, the gospel becomes truly generous and gives life. So I want to first talk about the root of generosity. The answer is identity. The root to being generous is knowing your identity in Christ. Through Christ's identity, I'll say it again, through Christ's identity, the gospel becomes truly generous and gives life. Our gospel, our faith is about resurrection lifestyle. It's about resurrecting not just like the physical immediately our mind goes to that oh resurrection raising the dead and it includes that but it also includes resurrecting hope it also includes resurrecting love it includes resurrecting um cells in a body it includes resurrecting life the physical it includes resurrecting ears that can't hear um tongues that can't speak relationships that were dead are restored and resurrected. Belief systems that have been broken and, and, and hurt by, by mankind, we can resurrect those belief systems. That is our faith. It is a resurrection lifestyle that we would resurrect what was once dead or what is dead and bring life to it. Amen? And that is the root of generosity, that we would know our identity. And because we know our identity, we can be generous. So let's move on to the next verse. Proverbs eleven twenty four. Now this verse, I called it, generosity is freedom. So generosity is freedom. Now let me read the verse for you. Proverbs eleven twenty four. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. I love Proverbs because it always puts this like juxtaposition of like what God says is good 
and what man does and how it ends up. So give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. What I wrote down was, notice it doesn't say, save freely and become more wealthy. I'll say it again. Notice it doesn't say, save freely and become more wealthy. Now, I'm not saying don't save, but don't let the savings account become the saving grace in our life. I'll say that again. I'm not saying don't save, don't be wise about your finances, but don't let the savings account become what saves you at the end of the day, what gives you peace when you go to bed at night. Only God can give you that peace. Because if, you, if, you, if you're thinking that way, this proverb says you're going to end up losing everything. To give freely is to be free from our possessions. It means possess what you own. Don't let what you own possess you. A lot of times people are so tied to their material things and to the stuff that they've purchased and bought, right? And what God is saying is don't trust in that. Give freely. Become more wealthy. And for a lot of you, if you don't, uh, if you don't feel free, ask the Holy Spirit for a freedom encounter. Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what in my heart am I tied to? Am I still perhaps living in like, you know, like kind of slave to this thing where you want me to give it up? Ask the Holy Spirit for that, and he'll show you what it is. And he'll make you free. Because you can't be generous if you're not free. It's like Jesus said, don't look for stuff. Just seek me first. And if you seek me first, I'll give you all the stuff that you need and you want. In Matthew 6, 33, I'm not going to take it. I'm just going to read it. Matthew 6, 33, it says, seek the kingdom and his righteousness first. And all these things will be added. It's amazing because um, this morning I was listening to a preaching and it just confirmed this, this, this message for today. And uh, the preacher said, abundance follows faith. And it's so good because in, the, in those chapters, Matthew 6 and 7, if you read it, when Jesus is saying like, you know, don't go and pray and, and just like talk about your needs and talk about all of this stuff because your father already knows what you need. In the very next chapter, he says, ask, seek, and knock for what you want. So your needs are taken care of. God is, is so pleased in taking care of things that you want, like stuff that is meaningless, you know, right? You have sometimes a huge prayer list of needs, stuff that is very, like, important. And God will come and he'll give you a want, something that in the grand scheme of things doesn't really mean anything. But in that giving, he's showing you his giving nature, that he is free to give to you. So let's go to the next verse, verse 25. I call this verse the target. So it says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I'll read it again. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So now let me define generosity for you. We've been talking about it now um, for a couple minutes. Let me define it for you. Generosity means liberal in giving or free in giving, free from being mean and small-minded, 
large, and ample. And my favorite part of the definition, strong in flavor, fertile. It makes you noble. I love that generosity means strong in flavor. As Christians, I think that we're supposed to be strong in flavor. As believers, I think we're supposed to give other people flavor to their life. I think that we're supposed to put a good taste in people's mouths. For too long, the church has put a bad taste in people's mouths. It's been about judging. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past some of our unfortunate brothers and sisters to think that some of them might be joyful today, that a lot of gay people were murdered. Like, I had that thought, and I thought, man, religious, religious is murderous in nature. It kills. But our belief system is not murderous. It doesn't kill. It gives life. We just went over this. Our faith brings life. We don't rejoice with what happened today. What happened today is evil. What happened today was horrible. And I know that there are believers in, in these peoples, in these, the, the families that were affected, there are believers there that are going to bring comfort to them. So every day, as the verse says, is an opportunity to refresh and be refreshed. How is this done? By the presence of God. The thinking in this verse is that generosity teaches, teaches us how to live glory to glory. In this verse, to me, glory to glory is defined by refreshing those that you are in contact with so that they can refresh you, so that you can refresh them, so that they can refresh you, so that you can refresh them, etc. That is living glory to glory. Refreshing people, giving people's lives flavor and allowing them to give your life flavor, whether you agree with them or not, because I'm not just talking about in the church bubble. I'm talking about in the world. The kingdom mindset is that we as believers would prosper in every way. So write down this verse, 3 John 1, 2. 3 John 1, 2. John writes, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. The target of being generous is that we would look to the prosperity of those around us. That is the target of generosity. And in order to truly prosper in every way, we need community. Because generosity by nature cannot stand alone. You can't be generous and live on an island by yourself. You need community. You need someone to give to. You need someone to refresh. And you need someone to refresh you. That is the target of generosity. You need someone to give to you, to allow you time uh, to either receive forgiveness or to, see, to receive a new, a new insight or to see, receive wisdom. It's all part of uh, what we need as humans. We were designed for connection. Mario was speaking about this, about a study that this doctor did, and she ended up becoming a believer. We all need connection because we all want to be connected to something great, and that something great is God the Father. 
and he makes us generous. And in that discovery of our identity, in that discovery of refreshing others, in that discovery of realizing that we're free, we prosper in our soul and in our, in, in our lives. And the people around us prosper. And when we're generous with others, we allow people the opportunity to do great things. I have a really good example for this. And I'm going to put it on the spot. But I honor my wife, Meryl, today. I honor my wife, Meryl, today because she was generous with her time last night. Because we were, we were going to go out to the movies, and it got out a little late. And then I just felt like, you know, I don't, I don't really feel right with the message yet. I want to go back and continue working on it. And she was generous with her time. And because she was generous with her time of allowing me, like her husband, allowing us to like work on this thing, now I can bring this to you guys. And we can be blessed by it. And other people around the world are going to hear this message, and they're going to be blessed by it. When we're generous with our love, with our giving, with our devotion. See, sometimes you see the end result. You're seeing the end result of the message here. This is the end result. You're not seeing when people get up here to lead worship, to speak, you're not seeing the time that they spent getting here. You're not seeing the friends, the family, the mother, the daughter, the sister, the, the husband, the wife that had to sacrifice a moment with that person so that they can get here. And those people are being generous. And sometimes we thank the speaker, but I think sometimes we should thank the partner of the person, the spouse or the friend or the mother, whoever it is. Like we should thank them, be like, thank you for letting Kevin take the time to build that message. Or thank you, Kevin, for letting Meryl have that devotional time so she could set up her worship list. Whatever it is. Does that make sense? So I honor you, and I love you. Let's praise God for Meryl. So the target of being generous is that we would refresh people. Next verse, verse 26. I call this verse integrity. Verse uh, 26. So I'll read the verse. Are you guys good? You guys awake? Cool. People curse those who hoard their grain, but they bless the one who sells in time of need. I'll read it again. People curse those who hoard their grain but they bless the one who sells in time of need. When I first read this, I kind of had some thoughts about it, and I felt the Holy Spirit saying, that's not exactly it. Do some research, and you'll find out what this verse talks about. And sure enough, I did some research, and this is what I found. People curse those who hoard their grain. What happens when there is high demand and low supply? What? Prices go up. When there is high demand and low supply, the price of, it, of an item, of that item or that market, it skyrockets. Write down Amos 8.5. So my research led me to this, this verse. When will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain? And the Sabbath that we may open the wheat market to make the bushel smaller and the shekel bigger, and to cheat with dishonest scales. 
So now let's read the Proverbs verse again, understanding that. People curse those who hoard their grain, but they bless the one who sells in time of need. The world markets are accustomed to driving revenue and profit this way. They're used to it. Create demand for something, but only make a little bit of it available so that you can raise up the price. That's how the economy is controlled. That's how a lot of things are controlled, unfortunately. But in the kingdom, the blessed sell even when it's inconvenient, and they keep their integrity. We can't lower our standard of our self-worth, of, of what we have, of the value that we possess, just because we see an opportunity to get a leg up on somebody. That is not the kingdom. God doesn't want us to have a leg up on nobody. He wants us to find people to refresh. He wants you to serve others. He said, if you want to be great, you got to go low. So that's not what we do. When I read this verse too, the thought, the other mindset that I think plagues the church sometimes, honestly, and it's a poor mentality, it says, that, it says, why would you sell when there is need? Why not give it away for free? Because read the verse, it says, but they bless the one who sells in time of need. If there's need, why would you sell it? Why not just give it away altogether for free? What I wrote is, while I believe in providing for the less fortunate, and we do this, we give to the orphan, to the widow, to the poor, we, we give and give, we either, whether it's money, whether it's food, while I believe in providing for the less fortunate, there is something about empowering people to purchase their own stuff. It brings a sense of value. It combats the poor mentality. And God calls that being generous. That you would grow, in the context of this verse, that you would grow a crop and with integrity sell it with just scales in mind. With, sell it with the intention of not getting a leg up on somebody, but sell it rightfully. God calls that being generous. Why? Because the temptation exists to get the leg up on somebody. The temptation exists to rob somebody of their dignity because they're poor and they're in need. And so you think, oh, I can get a leg up on this person. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. But it also doesn't say necessarily to always give everything away for free because then that can condition people also to not live a rich or a wealth mentality, a wealth, have a wealth mindset. By allowing people to purchase their stuff, like it empowers them. God doesn't just throw money at problems. He doesn't just throw money at need. In fact, if you read the talents and the minas, he takes from those who have little and gives it to the ones who have a lot. Uh, I heard Chris Valentin say this. He's like, so the rich get richer. <laughs> but I don't think it's those that have little. I think it's those that have mismanaged what they have. Because I've been talking about generosity. And how many of you, when I said the word generosity, your mind right away ran to money? Right away, when I said generosity, you thought money. So these two ways of thinking, thinking of, of you know, not, not getting a leg up on people and selling even though there might be need, it actually helps communities. It enriches them. It doesn't keep them poor. It makes them powerful. It empowers them, right? It says um, 
Don't give a man a fish. Teach him how to fish and you'll feed him for the rest of your life, for the rest of their life. That is what our faith is. It is that we would have integrity in all aspects of our life. And the other thing is, when we sell in times of need or in times of good, when we build this culture in our surrounding or here at church, we teach people how to put a demand on heaven, how to pull from heaven. When we create an economy with integrity, we help empower people to understand the ecosystem of heaven. Sometimes believers can get to a point where they can take this message right and they say it's the prosperity message and they can take it to a sense of entitlement. Like, I'm entitled to this. But we are not entitled to this. We are inheriting this because of what Jesus did. It's inheritance, not entitlement. If we talk about entitlement, entitlement was hell. But we're talking about inheritance and we are inheriting the kingdom of heaven and you can't pay for that but you can learn how to pull it down to earth. But if you think you're poor, if you think you're not powerful, if you think you don't have a way to demand this or to buy this or to go and get this or to receive this, then it's going to be very hard for you to learn how to pull heaven onto earth. So with that in mind, let's go to the next verse. It'll all make sense. It'll come together at the end. Proverbs 11.27. I call this verse a glory to discover. I'll read the verse now. It says, if you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. This is what the Holy Spirit told me. God wants us to focus on discovering not on being discovered. God wants us to focus on discovering, not on being discovered. Why do we want more people here? Why do we want this church to grow? So that we can be discovered? So that we can be famous? Or so that we can help people? So that we can discover the good in them? So that we can resurrect hope that was dead? so that we can restore relationships, so that we can heal the sick, so that we can bring a people to be awakened. And if that's your heart, God says favor will find, you'll find favor. And I'm just going to read my notes. I said, sometimes we can be very self-centered, trying to get discovered, right, especially in the city that we live in. In Hollywood, everybody comes here. I want to get discovered. I want to be the next, the next big thing. But you can say, but they're dreaming, they're dreaming big. And that's okay, yes, they're dreaming. But the problem is, or the issue I should say, is in the root, is that people come here and they want to get discovered and they and they want to be the next big thing. And people want to be the next big thing so bad that they're not original anymore that they're not themselves anymore, that it, it creates a person that we don't even know who they are. We should be ex so excited to cheer and encourage people on every day. That's generosity, that we would search for good in people. 
that we would search for good in, 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 in people in church and outside of church at our jobs, and that as we're looking for the good in them, we attract favor over our lives. And that favor is meant to be pumped back out so that we can find more good in more people. And as you, as you learn to steward that, as you learn to manage that, God will actually give you more. The best example of this was Jesus and how he lived. He was always helping people, always. Um, in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 52, it says this about Jesus. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus came to show us what Christian living is like. It's that as we help people out, we will gain favor and we will grow. And if the root of our, if in the root of our heart is to just love people without condition, then that attracts favor and you will see increase. It's like God didn't just say, you know, just have at it and see what happens. Maybe you'll win the lotto tomorrow. Maybe you'll get lucky someday. No, he set a kingdom strategy in place so that you can be successful. Even in that, he didn't leave us alone. And the cool thing about this verse is if you search for good, you'll find favor. What's the opposite of that? But if you search for evil, it will find you. So how do you keep evil from finding you? Searching for good. Solomon, in one of his letters, wrote, and if it's translated like word for word correctly, it says, there is no more devil. Like, they were no longer, there was no more attacks, there was no more threats, there was no more enemy. And Solomon was just like, you know, just releasing a bunch of wisdom and a bunch of freedom over his nation. And they were prospering. They were very, very wealthy. And this verse, to me, portrays that. It says, if you look for good, you'll find favor. So if you want to keep evil from finding you, just constantly be looking for the Lord. Just constantly be looking for the good in people. So the verse says to find good. Remember the context that I'm speaking of today is generosity. Sometimes we only give when there is a need. But kingdom generosity isn't just based on need. It's based on your royal identity in Christ. If you don't agree with that, then we probably could agree that God thought we weren't worth dying for. I'll read those two lines again. The verse says to find good. Find good in other people. In people that you think are, you know, that they're not, that they're worthless, that the world says they're worthless, or that the Old Testament style of thinking church thinks they're worthless. And remember that the context that I'm talking about is generosity. So sometimes we only give when we see a need, but we're actually supposed to give based on our royal identity. If you don't agree with that, then we could agree that, or we could probably assume that we weren't die worth dying for. Therefore, we could assume that we're worthless, but really we're not. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. It doesn't say for God had such pity on the world. We give from our identity because we see the way God sees, even when it's hard. You know, anybody can give when it's, when it's good, when it's all good. But when it's hard, that's when, when generosity counts. Let's go to the last verse. 
verse 28. I call this uh, verse trust. All right, you guys ready? You guys ready? All right, wake up. Trust in your money, and down you go. But the godly flourish like leaves in spring. So here's the root to the level of your generosity. Here's the root to our level of generosity. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Do we trust God or our money? Do we trust us more than we trust God? Do we depend on God more than we depend on material possessions? The root to the level of our generosity is based on trust, and trust is based on identity. You guys remember the tithe message that I gave not too long ago? I would say that this message is very, like, in the same breath of that message. Um, when Mario asked me to preach, I had, like, three or four things that I could have talked about, and it's cool because we've been talking about overflow, right? Pulling from the overflow, not pulling from the bottom of the bucket, but pulling from what has spilled out. That is the way we live our life. And then a couple of things happened that God was saying, just talk about generosity. And I thought it was going to be a talk about money, but it's more than that. It's about being generous with what you have. If you have a gift, like a word of knowledge gift, be generous with it. If you have a gift, like a musical talent, be generous with it. If you have a design gift, be generous with it. If you can teach, be generous with it. If you can sing, be generous with it. And I talk about the tithe, and this is where I'll plug it in. And I think there's one more message that I have that goes the tithe, generosity, and then the third message, I'm going to call it the vault, which is going to be about uh, spiritual blessings that God is still kind of talking to me about. But I'll talk about the tithe here shortly. It says the tithe concept is easy. Do we trust God? If yes, then tithe. If no, then ask God why. The tithe belongs to God. If the, and then if the tithe isn't stirring up your faith anymore, if 10% isn't like challenging your faith, if it's not risk-taking, then you need to give more. Generosity isn't comfort, but comfort comes from it. I'll say that again. Generosity isn't comfort, but comfort comes from it. In the refreshing, see, it's, it's, it's so like God. Generosity is so community because you have to trust that your brother next to you is going to refresh you in times of need, in times of trouble. There are things that God won't give you because your brother, your sister next to you is the one that has to give it to you, not God. He can give it to you, but he won't. Community is so powerful because it forces you to be generous. It asks that you would be generous because if you see somebody next to you in need or if you see somebody who you just have it in your heart to give to, you refresh them. You, you're cultivating trust. So generosity isn't comfort, but comfort comes from it. The seasons don't matter. When it comes to prosperity and wealth, in us prospering in every way, and us having a wealth mentality, the seasons don't matter. Why? 
Because no matter the storm, no matter the season, God is always good. And at no point in our life are we to trust in our own ability for provisions, but instead we are to trust the provider. And if you read the verse, it says, trust in your money and down you go. But the godly, who are the godly? Those that believe that God is good. Those that go to God and trust him. Those that go to God and know who he is. Those who go to God and in turn find out who they are. The godly are those that believe that God is so good that he'll give us something that we want. Not just because we need it, but because we want it. That's how, God, that's how good God is. I want to uh, tell you this story that I read recently in a book. It's, it's really good. Look, if you're generous, you understand your royalty. If you understand your royalty, then you believe that God is good. Uh, Alexander the Great was this Greek ruler, and I love this story. Um, I'll just read it to you. The story is told that one day a beggar by the roadside asked for alms from Alexander the Great as he passed by. The man was poor and wretched and had no claim upon the ruler, no right even to lift a solicitous hand. Yet the emperor threw him several gold coins. A courtier was astonished at his generosity and commented, Sir, copper coins would have adequately, would adequately meet a beggar's need. Why give him gold? Alexander responded in royal fashion. Copper coins would suit the beggar's need, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. That's how we're supposed to give. Not just by the definition of need, but by who we are in Christ. So I want you to listen very carefully. This is like, like my last couple of points, but worship team, don't move. I call this part... Why am I telling you this? I am telling, and, and just listen carefully. I am telling you this because being in Christ means that you reign in life. You are a royal priesthood. Proverbs comes from a Hebrew word meaning, uh, a Hebrew word, mashal. If you want to write that down, it's M-A-S-H-A-L. That's the Hebrew word for Proverbs. And mashal means to rule, to take dominion, or to reign with power. The heart of the leadership here at Grace and Love burns for you to reign in life. That life would stop happening to you. That, that you could take the reins of your life and that you could live in power. That you could live in freedom. That you could live in your true identity in Christ. And part of that identity is that you are generous. I am telling you this so that you don't grow tired of doing good the moment life gets hard. So that you don't quit on community. So that you learn the importance of coming to church. So you learn the importance of fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters. Because like we just learned, we build and cultivate trust so that we can refresh each other. I am telling you this because we are creating culture and momentum here at Grace and Love. 
And part of that culture, whether you've experienced it or not, or been a part of it or not, is that we are very generous. Your pastors, your leaders, we're being very generous with our time in order to refresh you. And I don't have a problem saying that because Paul wrote it to his churches many times. He would be like, I'm doing this for you guys and I'm, I'm pushing to the limit and I'm sacrificing my time and I'm sacrificing my body for you because it's with love. We are being generous with our time out of love to take the time to refresh every single one of you because every single one of you here is a Christ walking on this earth. Every single one of you here will give flavor to somebody that I will never come into contact with. We're telling you this to empower you into living out your true identity, to create community that is built on the strength of our cornerstone, Jesus Christ, to build a people full of faith, a people full of the spirit of the resurrected Christ, a people who reign in life. That is why I'm telling you this, because we have to talk about our identity. This is who we are in Christ. We are a generous people. This is our culture. It is generosity. It doesn't mean always just throwing money at problems or finding a need, but it means finding somebody and giving based on who you are. And the best giving comes from those who are well-planted, well-rooted in the kingdom of heaven. And this place is a good place. And though we're small, stay long enough. Come often that you would build roots. If you got a word from God, soak it up, live in it. The problem is that we lose hope sometimes. And so we want to hear from God again. We want to hear from God again. But God is saying, remember the last thing I told you. God is so generous that the one word he gives us, you can live off of that word for the rest of your life. But he doesn't just give you one word. He gives you many. So I promise you, if you stay long enough, if you come often, you'll see fruit. Amen? Amen. A lot of times people, uh, I'll use I'll use, I'll use us as an example. I was going to use Bethel, but I'm very, very proud of us. A lot of people come here and they say, wow, like I just walked in the door and I felt the presence. Wow, it's so good here. Wow, right? But they don't stay. Why? There might be many reasons. Sometimes, and I'm not saying this is all the people, but sometimes I think people are searching for something that is self-serving. And when they come in here, they see that we're so generous that, that, that maybe it doesn't click for them, that God is calling them to do the same thing. But if they don't stay long enough, then they can't fully capture that. A lot of people come here and they experience the presence but I believe that we're building a culture that will help people stay here. A lot of times people might come here and they might say, oh, this is good. I want to create this at my church, right? So they get a David that knows how to play an instrument just by hearing it. They get a Jesse who sounds like an angel, a Pancho who's a beast on the drums. And the, and it does, the same thing doesn't happen. Why? Because it's not based on material things. It's based on the culture. It's based on what we're building here. 
and people, if you're listening to me, you once came here, or if you're listening to me and you're wanting to come here, stay long enough that your roots go deep, that you become part of the culture, that you benefit from it. Let yourself be refreshed so that you can refresh. That is being generous. It's investment. I'm talking to you guys like an elder today. <laughs> so if you guys remember generosity, generosity is free. It's ample. It's big. It gives flavor. It refreshes. And it's based on identity. The definition of culture is, right, art. The, the intellectual collections of a, of a group of people. We are God's art. We are his workmanship. We are his poetry. We are his culture. And we have to exercise that every single day. So for your notes, I'm going to challenge you in two things. And hopefully you take this serious and you try it. And if you have a testimony about it, share it with me. So I'm going to challenge you in these two things, in two ways uh, as I was reading this and studying this and, and going through this, uh, I felt the Holy Spirit challenging myself with this too. And it goes along with what Mario has been preaching about, with, with what Cynthia has been preaching about, about identity, about community, about making space for the provisions of God. So I'm going to challenge you in two things. First, Find something that you own, that you possess, and give it away. If your mind ran to something material, if it ran to money, if it ran to a gift, whatever that first thought was that you probably felt in your heart, no, God, I don't want to give that away, that might be the very thing that you have to give away. It could be a gift that you have, like encouraging words, or it could be money, or it could be an object. But don't give by definition of need. Give by who you are in Christ, and that is royalty. You are a king. You are a queen. And kings don't give to other kings. They don't go say, hey, what's your need in your house? They just say, hey, I felt this in my heart to give you this great big thing. Like, I know you might have all these other needs, but I'm not interested in that. I just want to give to you based on who I am. So find something that you own, that you possess, and give it away. Two, find something that you love doing or are really good at and see if there isn't a market for it. See if people won't buy the finished product from you. God will help you create economy in a way that is full of integrity. And God will consider that being generous. So I'm challenging you to be generous in the next upcoming weeks. Be generous in two ways. Find something that you own, that you possess, and give it away. Find something that you're really good at doing. Do it and see if you can't sell it and make profit off of it. Amen. I know today was very, uh, very unconventional, if I could say that. 
One, I'm sitting down, which feels very good. You, um, I hope you took notes. Again, not just because you may not know the information, but because in times of trouble, it's hard to remember things that you know. Stuff gets really hard to see. I want you to be generous with yourself, with your health, with your mental health, with, with your feelings, with your emotions, with the value that you carry because of Christ. Also, be generous with yourself. Today, when I woke up and I found out the news about what, what, what happened in Orlando, I was on Twitter, put on the news, I saw the president speak, saw shots and videos from what happened last night. I just started to feel very overwhelmed. Be generous with yourself and don't consume a bunch of media because it's just a bunch of bad news, unfortunately. Be generous with your mental health. I right away started thinking like, feeling like anxious, like, dude, what if I go somewhere public? Like, what if they attack us at church? Like, what if they, like, what if, what if, and God was like, what if no weapon forged against you will prosper? And I was like, you know what? I don't need to see the news. Like, I know what happened already. I need to go pray. So I went and I listened to a preaching and I just started praying. And God just said, let the dog bark. Because his bite, he don't even have teeth. So I want you guys to stand. Every single person that stands in front of me, every single person that can hear me, you have something to give. It might be money, it might be a talent, it might be a gift, it might be a hug, it might be a handshake, it might be a smile. But you have something to give. And in the process of stewarding that, God will bring you more favor and bring more to your life. I want all of you today to accept this, to accept that you are a generous people, that you have something to offer this world, that you are a flavor that cannot be duplicated because you were made to be an original by God. And because that is truth, you owe it to Jesus and you owe it to this world to shine, to be who you are to be generous with your time, to celebrate others. Maybe it's not your turn to preach. Celebrate those people. Maybe it's not your turn to lead worship. Celebrate them. Be generous with your giving. Be excited for people. Encourage them. Love on them. Why? Because generosity is based on the identity that we have in Christ Jesus. And what once had us no longer has us, but we are discovering good. We are no longer being discovered by evil. We are free to give. We are sons and we are daughters. Can you put up the... I want us all to read this out loud, all of us. Um, repeat after me, I'll say it first. I am surrounded by the arms of the Father. I am surrounded by songs of deliverance. We've been liberated from our bondage. We're the sons and the daughters 
Let us sing our freedom. Let us sing our freedom. Your generosity is a song. The way you give is the way you sing. The way you sing is the way you give. I am surrounded by the arms of the Father. I am surrounded, come on, lift it up, by the songs of deliverance. We've been liberated from our bondage. We're the sons and the daughters. Let us sing our freedom. Give him praise. And just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. I am surrounded by the arms of the Father. I am surrounded by songs of deliverance we've been liberated from our bondage we're the sons and the daughters let us sing our freedom again i am surrounded by the arms of the father i am surrounded by songs of Deliverance, we've been liberated from our bondage. We're the sons and the daughters. Let us sing our freedom. Whoa. listening to the grace and love podcast we hope you are blessed by this message if you have a prayer request we would love to hear from you please feel free to contact us and if you're in the la area we would love to meet you we have services sundays at 2 p.m and fridays at 8 p.m we are located at 1900 medford street montebello california 90640 thanks again and god bless you